Say that the podcast where your big questions get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host here in the city of Chicago. Join me here is Glenn Fitzgerald, the president of Mission USA. I'm not under protest. That's true. Also joining us, Jed Brewer, the director of Mission USA Productions. Guess that means you're not paying attention. All right, uh, easy. No, easy I just because we're all here. You're not yeah. outraged. You're not paying attention. I read that on a bumper sticker. All right, Ron Paul, totally changed my thing, man. Relax. <laughs> Somebody's, That's right. Somebody's been uh, binging on news lately. That's uh, yeah. election news has fried your brain. Chris, I'm outraged. This is how I start now. We have pre-derailed, and Jed has derailed his own derailment. But we will get it back on track because we announced that making his triumphant live return Woo! to the podcast is the younger one of the pastors of Christ Community Church. Thank you, thank you. I just want to say that that uh, regardless. Well, Lee, it's of been great having you. We're moving on to. <laughs> <laughs> say that regardless so of communications that I have received from actual fans, I am devoted to this show. Wow. So the, the fans were, were giving you a rough time? I've actually been contacted and said, I'm seriously doubting your commitment to the show at this point. Wow. Was this from one Edith Love Rumple? <laughs> no, this is from real life folks. The delicious thing about that, we'll, we'll 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 give you a peek behind the curtain. We'll share some dirty laundry. We'll tell you the real story. Mm. The reason seems like a bad idea. Yeah, Lee was not in the uh, at least the emergency part of our last episode where we had we kind of did you know the emergency thing. And then Glenn and I talked, and then Jed did the interview, and we had a thing from Lee. Is because we had to schedule that on a kind of an odd recording time, and Glenn forgot we were doing that. <laughs> Yes, I did. <laughs> we had to start I an hour late. Blanked. So, and I think this makes this will give you another peek into things, the type of things that makes Glenn happy. Glenn messed something up, and Lee is getting the blame for it. For right, his own people. That's fantastic. To the tune of, I don't think you're devoted to the show. Yeah. Wow. That's, I also uh, like that Lee introduced that story by saying he gets it from actual fans because I like the idea that we're popular enough to have people who are pretending to like us. Sure. Sorry, <laughs> <Right. laughs> casual. Just I just fan. don't think that's the case. <laughs> well, as we we've do, said, we do have Edith Love Rumple. As totally. we said, there's really no such thing as a casual consumer of this particular product. Yeah, no. you, you either have something specific wrong with you where you love it. Yeah. Or you you you've uh, just figured out. Uh, well, we've also gotten, game. and one of them will come up later. But we've gotten a couple of not very nice messages from people saying, you know, I've come through this this stage of my life. I had a hard school thing or relationship thing, and listen to the podcast and listen to Bridgewater stuff, and you guys really kind of got me to a nice place, and I'm really thankful for that. Which, on one hand, certainly that's a lovely thing. We appreciate that. We always love hearing that stuff. On the other hand, it makes me think, is that the level at which it has to be? We have to actually change your life in a positive way to make listening to this hot mess tolerable. Let me tell you what. If you're desperate, you'll love this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) If you owe us... That's right. For doing something positive in your life, you will listen to this rambling nonsense. Now, I know where you're going with this. Do you? Because I don't. What you're saying is we got to go out into the world. Okay. That seems a terrible idea. Mess up people's lives. So we can fix them. That's creating an audience. Okay, so you're talking about kind of a supply and demand cycle here. Yeah. Boom. Create demand. Bingo. Right. So So you're saying we we can make up something 
like mystical dating stuff and get a very popular book. Actually, it may it seems like people have done this for us. Yeah. Yeah. The hard work the legwork may have been done on that. That's this. really true. We need the kind of Steve Jobsian, you know, like uh what why do I need this product? And then we tell them why they're broken and then we can tell them how to get fixed. Yeah. I feel like Lee's just campaigning hard for matching turtlenecks. I I'd, I'd enjoy uh, Glenn in a turtleneck, some uh, some jeans and sneakers. I understand serious PowerPoint presentation I don't put behind a, him. I do not put on a turtleneck for anyone. Yeah, you understand? Know yeah, I, I think fits in a turtleneck. I think that Wait, would be nice great. Light wash jeans and some white sneakers. Yeah, let me tell you. And this is this is where I'm telling you right now. Here's where all this turtleneck stuff comes from. Tell me, Canada. <laughs> Sure. <laughs> Turtleneck conspiracy. Let me really. tell you what right now. Tell me. We, there's, we're in an election cycle. Right, that's true. I haven't heard of it. And what happens is... I'm outraged. We're talking about immig- immigration <laughs> issues. Not on this show, we're not. And here's what it is. Canadians walk among us. <laughs> we don't know who they are, what they're doing. With, they're Some of them might even run for president. Okay, here's what's <laughs> happening. Some people say... Build a wall. Right. Okay, that's how we keep out the Canadians. Build a wall. Sure. You don't pay close attention during the news. And, so, <laughs> and then that, that that's how you, it's like a, a, where it's winter is coming, and then you have a wall. Right. Sure. That's a different thing, actually. And I may be confused. Not a documentary. It was a different show. Have you taken the black recently? Up here in Something. Chicago, CNN and HBO were like one channel apart, and I think Glenn's got them flipped. <laughs> People are like, how can you afford the wall? But see, it's an ice wall. Glenn, do you, okay. do you believe itself. that a presidential candidate was beheaded recently <laughs> because in that case i think you're definitely confusing two different things yeah, well no a top be advisor a was beheaded okay here's okay. what i'm saying is this ice wall is free all you got to do is have water <laughs> boom you make sure. ice you say well now you know what you know, niagara can, falls in the winter it's already you, started you can't climb up it it's too slippery it's made of ice <laughs> it's made of ice okay now i know what you're saying smart guy what about alaska you know what Tunnel. Boom. We come out. We, we don't have to deal with that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? We yeah. tunnel right over to Alaska. Just the simple matter of tunnel, tunneling under Western Canada. <laughs> <laughs> it's, and we're going to make the Canadians pay for it. Okay? Absolutely. That's, that's what we're doing. Now, so... The Canadian Prime Minister is going to hold a press conference about this. <laughs> so don't tell me about turtlenecks. Right. You know what I'm saying? That's just... that's. Canadian thinking right there. You know, they could keep you warm, though, Glenn. You like to be warm, don't you? <laughs> why, did, why did you make warm creepy? <laughs> I have a gift. You can just it's make it's anything late February. You just make, it, here in the city of Chicago, we just had a cold snap. Right. I mean, we just had a warm front, actually. Right. We've, we've trundled back into the, the high 30s. And in, under normal circumstances, the idea of a, a sweater, a blanket, a fleece, whatever you got, <laughs> right. that makes me warm is right. good. I would feel positive about that. I would say I was cold, and now I'm warm, and Jed has ruined that. Yeah, now, creepy is my spiritual gift. Because now when I, when I go home and I put on right. the, the, the afghan over my legs <laughs> yeah. when I'm typing, because mm-hmm. I like to be comfy and don't judge me. <laughs> right, um, right. I'm getting an image. Yeah, you know, I'm going to hear Jed's voice going, you like to be warm, don't you? <laughs> and then and I got to take yeah. off my afghan. Yeah. Well, because this is what happens is they these Canadians they send the, the cold down to us. You know what I'm saying? That's exactly how weather of patterns. Canadians are. on the border just like flapping those fans. Apparently, I, apparently, I, we don't have proof of not that. I think we do. It's coming this way. So we have to. We have to. 
stem the tide of this activity. Totally. You know what I'm saying? Makes perfect sense. Uh, and I, we take on the tough issues. Right. See what I'm saying? Do we need a vetting process for our weather? Hey, you know what? We don't know where this weather came from. This is what I'm saying. Okay, we don't know. It could have ill intent. Need a long-form cold front certificate? You know, (laughs) people get offended when we say Canada is America's hat. Okay, but that's just geography. You can't argue with geography. Absolutely. You know I couldn't I mean? agree more. <laughs> that's, I'm, not, I'm not trying to just make something up. That's, that's just a geographical fact. Yes. So, you know, uh, apparently people are worried about you got to be politically correct. Yeah. You, know? you tell it like it is. See, that's what I'm saying is they want to come over here and change <laughs> our way of life. Yes, they do. They're like, you know, they will force you. They will like. I, I don't know exactly, but probably like push you into a van and make you take free health care. Right. Yep. And be right. like, they get you hooked on it. Right. And then, then you you know. Well, it's already begun. They say, hey, would you like some bacon? Right. You say, of course I'd like some bacon. Who says no to that? The old bait and switch. Boom. Ham. Right. That's how they but, get you. But see, what they do is they, 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 they make you eat it. Right. And they make you call it. Bacon. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? That's how they get now, you. Now, right? they made you eat it, do you mean they put ham on a plate in front of you? Right. And that's a, it's like a... a what choice a brain- do you have at that point? Yeah, it's a brainwashing, you know what I mean? Yeah. They, they, they try and get in your head, and suddenly you don't love America and exactly. free, freedom anymore. They, they got to me through pizza, you know? Right, that's right. That's where the Canadian right. bacon first shows up. Yeah, that's... We- uh, that's that. That's their main infiltration point is pizza. Well, you know, this feels like a safe place to, to share, you know, something that's really been weighing on me. Um, I went, there's nothing more American than going to McDonald's, okay? Right. That's a sad truth. <laughs> that's what that's I specialize just, in. That's just America. I went I went to that American. Uh, I tweeted all- a picture of a Big Mac with my name <laughs> etched on it. <laughs> it just said America. <laughs> I don't think that joke's going to still be timely by the time this comes out, but I enjoy it. Right. So I went to the McDonald's. And I said, you know what? Because you have all day breakfast now, I would like an egg McMuffin. Right. Sounds great. Sounds hearty and satisfying. Right. <laughs> and I'm I'm enjoying my egg McMuffin. And you know what's in there? Boom! Canadian bacon. What by Canadian bacon you mean ham? I mean ham, but advertised as Canadian bacon. Yeah, but oh, you yeah. read the ingredients. The egg McMuffin is like the mule that they're getting the Canadian bacon yeah. through to you. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. How, that's but how do you mean that there's in. actually mule and egg McMuffin? Because I believe that that's possible. It's a it's it's a gateway breakfast meat. It clearly exactly is. Right. They've infiltrated our society at the highest levels. Right. This do you is consider what McDonald's saying. the highest level of our society? A little bit, a little bit. For breakfast, anyway. Sure. I mean, for breakfast, absolutely. Right. Well, we're dealing with a lot. It's, we are. This is uh, we, uh, maybe we need to take uh, the uh, threat level up. From where we got it now at the well, it's currently out. at chartreuse. Yeah, <laughs> I don't, there's a lot of levels to our threat level. Well, see, we got the chartreuse same, to violet. We're in our underground bunker, the same that worldwide headquarters, right? Some people call it the basement at Glenn's house, but we call it the underground bunker. And it's like, um, you know, I don't know where chartreuse is because the colors, I think we got confused with where the colors are, right? Yeah, but you know, right? Uh, you know what? I think like a nice, uh, uh, a taupe. Sure, that's or, always good. Maybe uh, sage. That's very soothing. You know soothing. what? Salmon. Ooh, Ooh love salmon. salmon. Right, yeah. so uh, let's Pistachio. upgrade it. To, 
Yeah, to yes. like a, a pastel, really like a pastel. Yeah, you know, yeah, you know. really soft, really soothing. Uh-huh. Well, we, uh-huh. we picked out the uh, the threat level chart during during spring, and that may have been a mistake. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, 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 little robin's egg blue. Right. How do we feel about that? that? No, that's good. Okay, that's, that's good. good. That's I feel like that would be a downgrade. If we keep mm. getting threatened, though, we're gonna have to ratchet it right up to fuchsia. <laughs> wow, well, that's that's uh, that's a man whose children still have boxes of crayons around the house. Who yeah, has to learn colors like fuchsia. Well, this is you know I'm glad that that we have the courage to take on this crisis. Yeah, because other people are afraid to talk about it. They really are. You don't hear anybody talking about Canadian immigration and like no. the the the. the crisis well, you hear some people talking about it. And- <laughs> <laughs> really disturbingly high level arenas of the world, maybe. Well, Glenn, here's my question. Right. You got your birthers, you yeah. got your truthers. We need a catch all term. To oh, really, this does not go anywhere good. To really represent what we're dealing with here. I mean, um, one option would be the hammers, but I'm no, not sure that quite gets no, it. I mean, you got the gift for the language, my friend. Well, uh, we, we, so we got, much editing. You got to get. You got to get it flowing. You right. Know, no, that's not true. Well, let's workshop it. Get some let's ideas not. out there. There I'm, could be I'm, the. We've got the turtleneckers. That's for sure. Turtleneckers. The funny that's thing solid. is, no one's gonna know why this week's episode is only 37 minutes long. <laughs> only us. <laughs> yeah. The. Uh, well, the, the, the Canuckers, you know, that's... that's just gonna, you're going to not be able to pronounce that, and it's going to come out bad. Yep. Yeah. The Right. I know. Yeah, when Matt writes down the time, you know that. Uh, yeah. Here, let me, let me get, uh, give you a... I would just, you know, and let me just say this. There's no on the podcast. We need some sort of a, a vocal way to distance ourselves from Jed. Because if it was live, we could all just move <laughs> yeah. away or something. <laughs> well, but, we might know. need to do a thing we do in real life up here, which is just yelling at the top of our lungs. I'm against that. Yes. Right. And yeah. normally it's ironic, but sometimes Jed says things where it's not ironic. Yeah. Here's the thing: I'm a bad person. Right. I yeah. know this about myself. I celebrate this about myself. I lack right. on a genetic level the ability to experience shame, right. and I find that very freeing. Yeah, right. Well, you don't lack it on a genetic level. You were born with it. It's years of working for Glenn that has <laughs> That's destroyed also true. it. That's Just also true. Muddled it and crushed it. Yeah. It, you, know. you, don't, you don't even miss it once it's gone. No. That's right. Yeah, you, you're free now. You don't. Well, two things. I, let's, let's table the discussion of what to... What horrific epithet to throw on other people because that's not going to go anywhere good. Though, very presidential. Yeah. So, couple, one, I enjoy that so far we've done um, xenophobia. Right. Fear mongering. Yes. Just making things up that you can clearly <laughs> prove didn't happen, right. but we stuck to them. Right. I think we've learned a lot from this presidential election cycle so far, and I think it's really going to help us succeed. Right. Particularly in certain states. Right. Right. I'm going I'm to pitch this. Right. I, I don't know what we can call, but you know you've heard of the Stockholm syndrome, where you get right. capped, get kidnapped, and you start sympathizing with kidnappers. My, I would say that when someone uses ham to start turning you to their political views of the socialism, Saskatchewan syndrome. Wow. Oh yeah, nice. Yeah. So let's end on that. And we it's been a while. It's been a minute. We are a little rusty. We never declared emergency. Oh yeah, but. I'm definitely declaring emergency off. Yeah. This segment needs to end. Yeah.
Uh, all right, I'm just gonna say this, and we're and we're going out. We're, we're just as we're on our way out. Yeah. I wanted and I meant to say something negative about Tim Hortons. Right. And that if I will not go well. If I had gotten that in, we it would we would it would have kicked off. Yeah. If you got that in, we would be banned in Canada. Correct? That's right. So, but it, time ran out, or otherwise I would have gone. Sure. In. Canada, in which we have many lovely Bridgebox subscribers. Yep. Whom we love. Mm-hmm. Who do well by us? Mm-hmm. And I was at a layover in the Toronto airport and got got a meal from the Tim Hortons in the Toronto airport. Right, and the lady said, "Do you want a donut with that?" I said, oh, "I think you misunderstand. I didn't order coffee." She said, "What kind of donut you want with that?" I, said, I didn't order coffee. I ordered a chicken sandwich. She said, "Yeah, that comes with a donut." So I'll not have you say anything bad about Tim Hortons. <laughs> See, they got the you. side with chicken sandwich was it's a donut. A donut. <laughs> And that is that is Canada out American America is yeah. what that is. Yeah. But I yeah. go back to our point that we have many lovely Canadian listeners, not only listeners but Bridgebox subscribers. That's right. They get the sermons, they get the music, they get the Bible studies. As far as we know, they enjoy it. Maybe they just get the email and immediately put it in the garbage bin. Doesn't really matter because they pay. That's right. <laughs> and that what you can say about Canadians, they're honest, and they will pay for your service. Now, what's the conversion rate of beaver pelts to American dollars? I Pretty don't know good, how actually. That works, yeah, actually, you know? it all it all depends on the yen. It's very it's very I complicated. See. The I euro, see. but you too can be like our Canadian friends, indeed, and be a Bridgebox subscriber. It seems to be working out for them. They enjoy it. We got folks in Australia, Russia, Brazil, all over England who enjoy it. It's worldwide. Mm-hmm. It's a phenomenon officially. Get on board. Eight dollars a month. Not only do you get cool stuff yourself, you support the ministry up here. You support the ministry up here so that we can stay here, and Glenn doesn't have to go to Canada, where right. the cost of living is less, but he's not going to be welcome. No, he's right. got to make the Chicago thing work now, because he can't go any further north. Absolutely. MissionUSA.com slash Bridgebox. Or are you chicken? Or are you chicken? <laughs> so far, we've not gotten our uh, our marketing seminars on <laughs> bullying your audience. <laughs> <laughs> drink coke unless you're some kind of weirdo <laughs> alright we move on to our first question here Cameron anonymously at our Tumblr inbox if you hang out with us all the way to the end I'll give you some ways to get in touch with this so this, is a little, this one's a little different this message came in it's a really cool thing but and there's this question off this I want to pose this in the end but the message came in like this it says hi guys I just wanted to share some great news I messaged you guys back in the summer regarding my husband and the cycles of his addiction to alcohol We celebrated 100 days of his sobriety this past week. Jesus has been doing amazing things in his life and has done drastic changes to his heart. As a result, he and our marriage has been better now than ever. Thank you so much for responding to my question back then, for encouraging me to put my foot down, and for all the advice you shared. So that's, first of all, amazing. We really love hearing that. Very happy for you, very happy for your husband. But I I got that message in, and other than just reading out of the podcast, because we really like kind of happy stuff like that. Um, I wanted to spin that into kind of a next step thing. So we do it. We talk a lot about boundaries, talk a lot about setting down. And I wanted to share this a, because if you, until you do the setting boundaries thing, it can seem very scary. I can't see how this would work. This hard conversation kind of feels like being mean. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think a lot of, one of the things that sets people away from boundaries other than just perfectly understandable fear of it is this. I can't even imagine how me how, being this farm would lead to, these good things in this relationship. Mm-hmm. So we have here mm-hmm. a clear example of that of you can probably, I can probably go back and find the episode number. I'll see you throw it in here. The post on the blog of, you know, my husband with the drinking, we gave some very clear, 
little bit here you say a lot, you know, lay down the boundaries. Don't you're not being mean. You're mm-hmm. going to feel that, but it's the, it is the right thing to do. But all of that. So if you're in a situation that this gal is now, where she's doing well, they're a hundred days in. But some other folks maybe in that say, okay, let, let me grant the premise. I lay down a boundary. I tell somebody you can't be this way anymore. It's got to be this. Boom. I'm everybody's prepared for the option that they just fully freak out. Mm-hmm. Doesn't happen very often, actually. A lot of times we're willing to go with you. So let, I want us to look forward to the now what. Mm-hmm. Maybe, Glenn, maybe you can kick us off on this. So yeah. set a boundary with someone. They start doing okay on it. What do you do to keep that going? What do you not do to sabotage it? What What can we expect that's uh, acceptable kind of levels of struggle? What is not acceptable as a backslide? Mm-hmm. And you have a lot of experience with this. So why don't you start us off? Well, I think, yeah. And, and as you said, this is fantastic stuff. Oh, absolutely. 100 Days of Sobriety is a very big deal, and we definitely celebrate that. Here's the thing. If you want to keep that going, uh, you need to have the right perspective about mm-hmm. that moving forward. That's the key thing. What's the right perspective? The, the right perspective is to recognize that you didn't take a cure, that you are not permanently healed from ever feeling any mm-hmm. temptation towards alcohol ever again. Yeah. That did not happen. What you found is a treatment that allows you to manage your condition. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, for example, if I say you have diabetes, you don't say to me, as the, as the patient, if I'm the doctor, I say, you've got diabetes, you don't say, okay, so I take a bunch of insulin, and then it goes away, right? Doesn't say, work that way. Doesn't work that way. You have diabetes. That's what you've got. So you, you watch what you eat. Uh, you check your blood sugar, you regulate your intake of the insulin that we do give you, and we use that to um, allow you to uh, manage this condition that you've got. So you have a propensity to have a problem in this area, and you have to um, manage that. You have to do the things that keep your health mm-hmm. where it needs to be. Mm-hmm. Exact same mentality you need to have towards this thing. Christians uh, uh, that also deal with addiction want to get uh, that word healed and yeah. delivered mm-hmm. into that. Right. Um, God can, if you have diabetes, God can heal you and deliver you from that. But if He does not choose to do that, He's almost certainly asking you to manage that in yeah. some sort of way. And uh, He could heal and deliver me from needing to breathe oxygen. And ha- he, he can he, grow gills on you. Yeah, I could breathe underwater. I could not need food. If you all get, a, of these you get an arm lopped off, he could just regrow it. It <laughs> might happen. It might happen. Uh, but the, these are the things where we have to understand uh, this is a part of life and, and uh, for us now, and we have to manage that. Uh, so that means a, a, a constant vigilance. The second quick thing, and I'll, I'll kick it around to these other brothers, is... We need to send a message to this person that's dealing with this addiction. Don't ask for more trust. In other words, there's going to come a point where uh, this this husband of yours is going to say, I just need you to trust me right now. And that's where we, no. we everybody stop. Yeah. Everybody, <clears throat> wait a second. No, I don't need to just trust you. That's not that's not what I need to just do. I don't, you know, uh, trust trust isn't trust unless it's earned. Yep. So I, you're, what you're asking is let me get away with it. That's we're not doing that. But to recognize trust that 
you haven't earned creates more pressure for you if you're that addict, so he shouldn't be asking for that either. That's different, you follow, from a person who's dealing with addiction who says, I want a chance to prove myself. Yeah. Mm -hmm. okay. So, for example, let's say uh, your husband says, I would like to go out with my friends with whom I've gotten drunk before, and we're going to go to a place where they may be serving alcohol. You as the wife would say, well, that sounds like a terrible idea. <laughs> you can, if, if the person, if that addict husband says, I need you to trust me, that, that's the wrong <laughs> response on that. If that, uh, if that, if that addiction uh, person, the husband with addiction is in that situation and says, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go to the thing. I'm going to come back. I'm going to blow into this breathalyzer and show you what's going on because you don't need to be worrying about that. I need to prove to you what's going on and I want a chance to earn back that trust. So by doing this, I can establish that I am trustworthy and that's all I'm looking to do. So I'm happy to blow into this breathalyzer and show you that I can be trusted. That's a very different attitude um, uh, and we have to let him know that's the kind of stuff I want to hear from you. I don't want to hear, hey, you need to just believe that I'm n never capable of doing this sure. again. And that's an excellent point to end on because it is another one of the things about is you, the phrase you use, constant vigilance there with keeping boundaries. It's not necessarily that someone says, hey, I need you to trust me is intent on backsliding or is it serious about that recovery? But there are some things, and if you don't see it in the way all four of us, particularly three of us up in Chicago do, that there are some things that just addicts are incredibly predictable. Mm -hmm. Doesn't mean he's, doesn't mean someone who says, I just need to trust me, is a bad person or trying to get away with anything. Oh, no, that's yeah. an, a pathology of addiction to yes. try to jump that level. Yes. And that's kind of where it's on you to say, no. we're not doing that. That's right. This is where I'm laying a boundary. But that's kind of a good, that's a good example of a thing that's not totally out of pocket where mm -hmm. we're the red light should be going off and it's a whole, whole thing. But this specific thing on this, more boundaries on this one thing. That's a very smart point. And Lee, maybe I can get you to jump to, uh, we're talking a lot about how you got to keep going on this. You got to keep down the path. That's all true. But we also need to, do need to feel that fire a little bit. We need to feel good about what we're doing and kind of a big thing on that is, um, taking the time to celebrate our victories, to focus on the positive. And that's a big way to keep it going as you keep that vigilance Glenn was talking about, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the things that happens just in human nature is that we assume as we kind of join up days of sobriety and get some victory under our belt, we will just naturally feel the impulse to celebrate that. Uh, we'll just... Naturally, we will do everything that we need to do to feel good about that and to feel encouraged and everything. And what I would say is, especially if you're the person that's not the addicted person, you're the person that's supporting the addicted person who is in recovery. What I would say is uh, be intentional and effusive about celebrating victories. Yeah. Decide that you're going to do this on purpose. You're going to make a big deal out of it. And especially yeah. and specifically, you're going to find out what are the things that communicate encouragement to this person. So for, you mm. know, if it's if it's your husband, what is what is his personality like? What what is something that's going to make him feel celebrated? Like his three best friends in the world come over to the house and that you know that they're going to watch a game and you're going to set that up and you know and you know we're going to get the kids out to the park and stuff like that. 
So this dude can just have a chance to hang out with his buddies and watch a game. And hey, we just want to have a you night because you have earned it. And this is, and we just want to celebrate that. And I want to tell you how I feel about you. All that to say, what whatever that specific thing that would communicate that encouragement, and I'm proud of you, and you are really crushing the ball here. Whatever that thing is, to intentionally on purpose celebrate milestones because yeah. it feels like well we'll we'll just. We'll just naturally do that. But what I would say is you need to get ahead of the ball on that and just really decide we're going to really, really celebrate that. And, you know, and, and I think it's it's part of the human psychology to, to say, well, he knows I'm proud of him because he's had, you know, 100 days turned into 114. So, you know, I'm, I made a big deal at 100 days, but he knows at 114. And what, you know, the experience that I've had much much less experienced than these brothers in Chicago, but the experience that I've had working with guys behind bars, folks in AA and other types of addiction is every day feels like every other day. In other words, I, I make it through a day of sobriety. That's another huge, big deal. You know, mm-hmm. uh, a friend of mine that, that, that uh, has been running an AA group in my town for 30 years, for over 30 years at this point, he says he talks to his, you know, the guys that he sponsors and stuff every single day. And he says to them, you know, they say, you know, thanks for calling me. And he says, no, you know, talking to you kept me sober another day. Yeah, and they're like, yeah. dude, right. you're the, our superhero. And he says, yeah, but you kept me sober this one more day. And then those guys feel so encouraged. And so I would just say, even though it feels like, yeah, it feels like I've said a lot, be effusive, be creative about celebrating those little milestones, little victories. Yeah, absolutely. And Jed, maybe you can pick up for us. There's striking the balance between keeping going, keeping vigilant, as Glenn put it, it's a great phrase, of knowing that there's a lot more work to do on this, is something you have to do every day, but then recognizing that growth. And one of the phrases that addiction recovery groups have about a lot of stuff is it works when you work it. So what's that thing of acknowledging that it is working, but can still working it? Absolutely. It's a great question. So I think one of the things that is a trap that we often fall into is we want to be fixed and then we don't have to worry about this anymore. We can mm-hmm. we can just move on. And Christians do tend to spiritualize that. They want to yep. they want to talk about being delivered and whatnot. Right. You know, more secular sense people want to talk about being cured. I don't even notice that people have secondary sexual characteristics anymore. I just prayed. <laughs> right. Um but the funny thing is, you know, so there there's two things we should say on that. The first is um um addiction is a lifelong disease. There there is right. not a cure for it. Right. Um if you if you are that's why people that are successful in recovery would tell you I'm a recovering addict. Right. Um, uh, but the thing about it that's that's actually good news is if you say there's a thing that is keeping me sober, mm-hmm. and so as long as I keep accessing that thing, then I can be confident I can remain sober. Right. 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 That's actually a comfort. That's a good thing. Yes. If you say there's a thing outside of myself that enables and empowers me to be to live in sobriety. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. then I know every day that I wake up, I can go to that thing and get what I need in order to be sober for another day. Right. That's that's actually good news. That's that's really, really right. positive, right? Well, and, and not to interrupt your flow, but I think that thing is not only making you, keeping you sober, it's making you a better person. I absolutely. Mean, we're not back to zero. We're actually on the plus side. Absolutely, absolutely. So I think, you know, they say with, you know, a lot of dietitians would tell you that the huge, 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 vast majority of diets fail. And the reason why they fail is you're going to change your behavior until you get the results you want. 
and then you're going to change your behavior back to what you were doing. That's right. that's the nature of a diet. Well, if, if you think about it, there's no way that could work in any kind of long term. Um, right. you, you did one thing, it caused changes, then you did something else, and it reverted back to the way it was. So, so it is here. Um, living in sobriety, living in recovery is about a change in belief, a change in attitude, but a change in behavior as well, obviously. If you suddenly change all the changes you've made, that would lead you back to something bad. So we want to we want to stick in there with the good changes that we've made. But again, I think the important thing is to recognize that that's a good thing rather than a bad thing. I think you know the, the thing where we run into and the reason, again, why people are into this concept of being delivered is I just don't want to have to think about this anymore. Yeah. I, I just I just want to be I, I want to be done with with this being an issue or being a consideration. It makes a lot of sense. And what but what if we take the focus off the addict for a second, which we right. we will fall into that other show because that's who we work with. Let's go back to the caretaker. How do you right. how do I, as the person who has set this boundary, who's in this relationship, um, have some empathy for that human desire, but then buck up against that? How am I the support system for saying, I know it feels like we do this all the time, but right. we've got to keep doing it? Absolutely. Well, you would if you were married to someone and they said eating is such a drag. Um, it takes time. It takes money. Right. Uh, we we got to clean things up once we've mm-hmm. eaten. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's like so. I'm just I've 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 decided I've been delivered from eating. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm I'm just. It's really it's gonna make my life a lot easier now. Right. Right. Um, I prayed. I asked God to deliver me from needing to eat. It's and like he did. fasting permanently forever. It's, it's super like fasting, holy. but more of it. And since I'm a Christian, more is better. Right. It's always it's always better. So I'm like super holy. Well, if if your spouse said that to them, you would say, are you feeling well? Do we right, need to put right, a cool right. rag on your forehead? Right. right, right? right. We, we, we would recognize a you need to eat in order, you know, to to live. But B, eating can and should be a positive thing in your life. It should be a get to rather than a have right. to. Right. And so a lot of what you do as a, as a person who's giving support in these kind of situations is helping to keep the get to's as get to's, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Now, you've, if you listen to the show for a while, you've heard us talk about the difference between get to's and have to's. You know, mm-hmm. have to's are things that you use obligations and you slowly grow to resent. You look for ways to not do. Have to's are privileges. They're, they're things that are blessings in your life and you celebrate the fact that you're able to do them and you right. seek to do more of them, right? Right. But that's that's all about a decision that you make. That's about an attitude that you decide to have. Mm-hmm. And the funny thing is other people have a huge influence over our over our attitudes. That's mm-hmm. that's part of, of what Lee is talking about and the brilliance he's talking about with celebrating is if you celebrate things, you help things to be a get to. Mm-hmm. Sobriety is a get to when we celebrate it. Mm-hmm. Therefore, mm-hmm. the things that lead to sobriety are a get to when we celebrate them. So I think helping to keep the narrative as um, AA or celebrate recovery, whatever it is, the, the steps that you're working, um, that that's, that's a get to. That's something that we see as a privilege. That's something that we see as a blessing. And therefore, we always make time for it and whatnot. Mm-hmm. I think that's a key, key thing is helping to work together to maintain a right attitude about it. Mm. Absolutely. That's all a lot of great stuff. And I hope that we have uh, kind of given you a vision here for this idea that setting boundaries is a big, hairy thing in a lot of people's minds. It's not as big a deal as it seems. Um, it's, you know, you have to know how to do it. You have to have the courage. You got to pray it up. You got to have the wisdom. Uh, this maintain this maintenance thing is almost a flip side where people want to think, you know, it's the setting the boundary that's the big pill that's so hard to climb. And then after that, it's just it's kind of in neutral. And it's almost the exact same way. Setting a boundary, not 
I mean, it can go wrong. It can be bad. We're never going to tell you that it can't. But most of the time, not as big a thing as people make out in their mind. The kind of over the long haul, the much more uh, the thing that actually burns a lot more calories is maintaining that, That's building right. the healthy thing that comes from that boundary. But it's the same situation of a little courage, a lot of prayer, and a lot of wisdom, which we're happy to help you pray for you. We're happy to give you wisdom on all those fronts. It can be a great thing when you go forward. Absolutely. All right, move on to our next question here. It came into our Tumblr inbox, and it says, Is ignorance bliss? I was having a discussion with a friend, and he said, of course it's a he, that if he didn't know anything <laughs> about this God, then a merciful and just God couldn't punish him simply because he didn't know. Mm. Therefore, he can claim ignorance and be better off than those who knew and did not do. Is there truth in that line of reasoning? And if not, why not? Lee, why don't you start us off? Uh, happy to. And thanks for writing in. I, I think one of the things here is uh, the question of knowing when not to engage certain questions. Yeah. Because they don't need to be engaged whatsoever. See, right. the, the main problem for me on this with your friend's question is that, well, there's two problems. One is that this theoretical person that he mentions that, uh, doesn't really exist much in the world very much anymore. And this person certainly is not him. Um, and I don't love, uh, this is, this is kind of my main, this is my main problem with this question. Uh, so first of all, this dude is not a person who hasn't heard anything about God. So it's not you, dude, whoever it is, it ain't you. Uh, but the, the thing for me is I don't love, uh, theoretical, theological, what if questions, that don't yeah. have any clear answer or any real value. See, the, the real call for all of us is, the real question for all of us is, what do we do with what we know of God? What, what mm. do I, with what I know about God, what do I do with it? I, I mean, for me, if I'm, I try to kind of picture myself in this conversation with this, with this dude. The, the thing that if, if, I'm, if he's actually absolutely pushing me on an answer for this thing, the, the direction that I would try to steer this in is, Tell me what you know about God, because I don't think I would want to believe in him either. I mean, I don't think I would want mm. to know him. Clearly, your, what, your version of, of God, whoever told you about him, whatever you've heard about him, has nothing to do with him. Because here's the real situation is that the most unbelievably kind and amazing and tender heart in the universe has offered you a blanket forgiveness, a brand new nature an eternity in paradise for free without doing anything simply because he loved you so much that he would take all of your wrong upon himself as if he had done it all when he hadn't and then die a horrible death as a result of that. And now you just get to go to heaven for free forever. I don't know anybody who understanding that would want to turn it down. And so I think if I'm, if I have to engage in a theoretical question like this, that has no real point, then that's where I would try to steer it is, let me tell you about the God that I know. Let me tell you the real situation. I think somebody's sold you on something that's not true. Somebody's telling you about a God that doesn't really exist. But let me tell you about the God that I know. If I had to do this question, that's kind of the way that I would try to steer it. That's very. That's a very good point. And that's coming from the place of someone who is a professional in ministry who has a lot of these conversations. And I think everything Lee said is spot on there, but maybe like to, Jed, maybe you can look at this from a different angle for us. There's some kind of thoughts and patterns that people, particularly young people, who are starting to just for themselves engage with the idea of kind of divinity and deity 
some things they fall into. And this is actually a very common one. It's, and I don't say that to dismiss it. I mean, I'm talking about, you know, French philosophers came up with right. slightly fancier ways to say the same thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But there's this, this idea that pops up a lot and a lot again if you're in certain corners of maybe certain websites, stereotypically uh, haunted by people with fedoras, sure. that um, you this idea of, well, a just and loving God couldn't do X, Y, Z. Therefore, I don't have to believe in God. Therefore, there can't be a God. There's this idea of um, God, I can put these constraints on God and he's got to meet them. Right. And then I've got to do this thing. And that doesn't really work. And in the context of this question, there's this what, basically what I'm saying here is what if we took the question at face value? Sure. And mm-hmm. it's just someone who doesn't know anything about God, didn't grow up, whatever, you know, a Martian is dropped to earth and says, <laughs> it seems like it would be super mean for a God. For, I didn't know the rules to the game. Sure. So if I did it wrong, it seems like it'd be super mean to punish me for that. So what, right. what do we say if we take the question more at face value? Sure. Sure. Well, I think part of the answer is um, has to do with your own experience of God, right? I mean, you know, if if a person asked me this question, uh, part of my response would be to share my my own story with right. them, right? And say you're you're afraid about God punishing you. Um, that has not been my experience of God. Um, right. You know, uh, any more if someone told you you should be afraid of Ronald McDonald because he will punish you. That has not been my experience of Ronald McDonald. Right. So I, I, I wouldn't be concerned about that. It has been mine, but I had my shoes on in that play place. And that's <laughs> on me. Okay. You know, for, for me, um, apart from God, my life was the thing that was punishing me. Uh-huh. Um, you know, I, I, I turned to God not out of fear. I, I turned to God because I needed my life to stop sucking. And <laughs> I, uh, I had a sense that he could help with that, that he right. was interested in, in being a part of that. Yeah. Um, so if, if your thought is that God wants to punish you, and uh, you got to figure out the rules to this game and, and deftly maneuver them. Uh, that has not been my experience of God. Uh, I don't find, um, uh, if you actually read the Bible, I don't think the things that you're suggesting are in there. If you're getting this from information that's not the Bible, then I probably don't agree with it. Um, but I think, I think the key thing, and I, and Matt, I think it links our, the Martian that you have suggested with what Lee is, is asking is how's, how's stuff working for you? Yeah. Um, I mean, are mm. you, are you happy with your life as it is? Cause if you're happy and you're satisfied with your life as it is, then carry rock on. out, man, <laughs> carry, carry on, keep, keep doing what you're doing. If you're not pleased with your life as it is, then I think you're already experiencing some degree of punishment. I don't think it's from God, right. but, um, you know, I, I think you are experiencing consequences anyway, mm-hmm. and I bet we could do something about it. And God might want to be a part of that solution. So I think, I think we should look at that, but I think for sure, um, um, this is kind of a nerd phrase, but I think even as it's important to take people's questions at face value, I think we need to give ourselves permission to not grant the premise mm-hmm, of yeah. every question that, exactly. that we're posed. Mm-hmm. Some some questions are just nonsense. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, um, you know, I hear God's this totally mean jerk that wants to punish people. Well, he's not, so I don't know what to tell you. Right. Um, I mean, we, we, we could have a theoretical discussion about a theoretical God who's a mean jerk, but... That hasn't been my experience of the guy. So what do you what do you want me to tell you? Do you want me to tell you who I've experienced him to be? That might be more useful information. Um, you know, that's the thing about theoretical discussions on Reddit is they they tend to just kind of fold in on themselves. Yeah. 
because they don't have any basis in reality. I mean, as you've brought up before, that's the whole thing about could God make a microwave burrito so hot even he couldn't eat it? Actual question I was asked in the Young Life Bible study. There, <laughs> nice. There, there is no answer to that question because the question is nonsense. Right. That doesn't. To dis- be fair, that kid was probably a little high. It doesn't. This is the key thing. Well, I mean, you got to applaud the creativity. Yeah, still, that's true. You know? And you might have, if you're listening, you might have heard the 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 more common version is, could God make a rock so big even He couldn't move it? Right. And the point that is, is a logical puzzle, not a statement on God. It's, you know, I've just proven to you there must be no God because of, of the ironclad logic. No, what you've proven is your ability. I use my white man brain. Use my white man brain and I proved to you there must be no God. No, what you've proven to me is you can speak nonsense. Mm. You can say words that don't mean anything. Right. That, that's what you've proven, <laughs> right. which is quite a feat. And we're all proud of you. But that, that's actually right. all you've proven. So we actually don't have to, even as we want to, you know, give people the benefit of the doubt and respond to the question they pose. We don't need to grant the premise when the premise is nonsense. Exactly. A great point. A really good way to put that. And Glenn, maybe you can, if we can get into a substantive conversation with this person. Yeah. I think one of the things all, all four of us would point to them, and maybe you can pass for us is, if you're just looking to not go to hell, mm-hmm. you're kind of missing out a lot on what the whole God-Jesus relationship thing is going to be. You right. have a f- not only a fundamental best understanding, but you're really cheating yourself on this. Yeah, well, you know, I've, I've been listening to what you guys are saying. You know, what's, what's funny is uh, for those of us who have a relationship with God, we would say... The relationship is everything. The right. the opportunity to know him, to be in conversation with him, to I this is the thing I cannot tell you how I cannot put in words the amount of comfort that God has given to me. The things that he has said to give me peace and comfort and to 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 uh, absolutely increase the quality of my life in every way when it's these fellows saying I would screw it up. So to me, the idea of, well, I could just not know God and I would be better off just doesn't hold up as a thing. But you know what? I'm sitting here thinking about all of this and I'm asking myself this question. How many of the people in the world, in the church, inside the church, wherever, how many people really want to know God in terms of dealing with God? Sure. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. How many people want to stand before a throne and have a Lord tell them what it is? Exactly. Because here's the thing. I know a lot of people in that church, they get that Bible studied to the point where they don't need to ask God about anything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hey, I've th- Look, this is written in the Bible. I don't have to pray about it. I don't have to ask God what he thinks, because it's already in the Bible, so that's it. Well, yeah, yeah, but you've taken that Bible verse and twisted it pretty hard. Don't you want to double-check that with a man upstairs just before you roll that out? You know, <laughs> No, I don't need to do that. I'm fine on that. I can't tell you, and I, I, I mean, and I don't mean to sound negative at all, but I can't tell it's you. It's your natural state. Yeah, exactly. I can't tell you the vast number of people I've met in the church that never asks God what he thinks about anything. Yeah. Ever. Never. Well, it's an interesting flip side to the premise of this question, which is, you know, people who 
basically, um, to go back to our uh, theoretical Reddit friend there, that's a straw man. Yeah, it is mm-hmm. a straw man. As they would point out on Reddit. Um, so there are certain people who don't want to deal with the idea that there's something in the universe that is smart, bigger and smarter than sure. them. Well, absolutely. They don't want there to be a deity. So they come up with the logical puzzle to get around that. Right. In the same way, a lot of people in the church who just want to kind of have Jesus-y positive feelings right. don't want some guy coming in with a sword instead of an olive branch and getting all up in that. Right. So they come up with the bible or the emotional way to get around interacting with that. Well, absolutely. And I think there's a certain amount. I mean, if we're going to be honest. Right. How much of our... Of, of our personal inclination is hey i just want to get some knowledge on this thing and some good wisdom to know what i should do yeah how many times did you <laughs> bang- if my plan sucks i want someone to tell me so i don't do it that way Look, i i go to god for direction a lot not a, not nearly as much as i need to i mean not nearly and i go to the lord regularly okay generally speaking that's only when i get desperate Hello. Now, I'm fortunate that I have a job that gets me into that kind of desperation a lot. So there's, you know, so that changes things. But here's my point is, I think we spend a lot of time avoiding God. A yeah. lot. A lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. And I don't mean in the sense of, I didn't go to church, I didn't read my Bible, because again, you can do those things and still have nothing to do with God. Yeah. I'm talking about talking to God, I'm talking listening to God. I'm talking about just being with God, dwelling with him, abiding with him, hanging out with him, inviting him into your life. I think we're afraid on that. Yeah, yeah, fear of condemnation. I think we are afraid that he's going to tell us that what we're doing is stupid and we're going to do something smart and, you know, we don't want to hear that even though we know it's true. Look, there's stuff I'm doing that's dumb, that's ruining my life, and I don't want God to take it away from me. Sure, that doesn't make any sense, but that's what I—that's how sure, I'm thinking. Sure. Oh yeah, I, I I see a lot of that out there, so that's why I'm not ashamed to admit sure. it. You see what I'm saying? But I—I uh, I think uh, I think we have to all admit that there is uh, a, a a sense of uh, there's something so overwhelming about standing in that throne before God. No excuses. Uh, nothing is hidden yeah. from God. I can't, I can't spin him. I can't manipulate right. him in any way. The finality of that, I think, is really tough for us to deal with. So, I, you know, I, I, think, uh, I think this question gives us a lot to think about, you know, where the, the Sunday school answer is, uh, you know, uh, knowing God and enjoying Him forever is the whole. That's the whole point. That's the chief end of man, as the, as the Catechism says. That's what we're uh, supposed to think like. But I, I think a lot of us struggle with that. Well, I, I love a couple words that Glenn said in there. Uh, just talking about the comfort that he gets from having a relationship with God, and also when he started the whole thing about can we be honest for a second? And I, I love both of those things because I get a lot of comfort from the fact that 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 there is a holy God who has a moral you know stand that's way beyond me. Because when I'm honest. I don't need to be calling shots over, you know, judging anybody's compassion or moral goodness or whatever. The truth right. is, 
I'm a messed up dude. I mean, my my mm. natural bent is very self-serving and very, you know, I'm very the the, the most the low-hanging fruit is to is to judge on people and to have uh, you know, to to judge their intentions and everything else and to think everybody's out to get me. This is the low-hanging fruit. And so it's it's always surprising to me that there are people that that that, that the idea is I'm just going to I'm going to morally call shots for all the beings in the universe. And it's like, dude, I get a whole lot of comfort from the fact that there's a God who tells me what it's like because I know I don't have any business in that when I'm being honest. You know what right. I'm saying? And so it's a very comforting thing to say, you know what? I'm going to let God sort that stuff out and I and and I'm going to and I'm going to be thankful that I got somebody that loves me because the truth is when I look in the mirror, it's it's pretty shocking. You know, and so that's a that's a comforting and a good thing. And I don't know who feels comfortable, uh, uh, you know, deciding that they're going to call the moral shots for the whole universe. Amen. One last quick thing on this. So generally, when this question gets posed, it's either coming from a dude with a neck beard who goes on Reddit and reads a lot of Sam Harris, mm. straw man, straw man, or it's coming from someone who was raised in a super overbearing legalistic house. Right. And mm. what they're actually saying is, I got all this guilt and awful crap put on me, and you can't listen to this band, you can't watch this TV show, and The Simpsons is evil, and everything's the devil. Mm. And wouldn't it be better if I just didn't know anything about God? Wouldn't that be better? Uh, if your question, and again, this question typically comes from one of those two camps, um, and we've been talking a lot about kind of the guys with the neck beards. If your question is coming from that place of, I had an awful upbringing where a lot of terrible crap was put on me in the name of God and wouldn't have been better if that hadn't happened, yes. Yeah. The answer is yes. It would have been better if you did not grow up in a legalistic church with legalistic parents who told you everything was the devil and evil and satanic. And if that's where your friend's coming from, we are so sorry. Yeah. And we are so, so sorry. And a lot of us have been through that, and we know what that's like. And, and again, the answer is yes, it would have been infinitely better if that had not happened. The thing that's before you is what do we do about that because it did happen. Um, again, if that's the situation, and often when this question comes up, that's where it's coming from. Mm-hmm. The, if that's the case, the thing that's before you is start over. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, um, rather than throwing the baby out with the bathwater, decide, God, it's you and me. And we forget right. about everything else. Yes. We forget about all the nonsense my parents right. and their church were on. Yeah, the, the relationship part is the part that's going to fix all this. Exactly right. It's you and me. Mm-hmm. Nobody else is invited. Mm-hmm. We're going to figure this thing out piece by piece. No guilt. Yep. No yep. shame. No fear. No right. legalism. It's just you and me, and we're going to sort this thing out. Yep. That's actually the way forward. Mm-hmm. Because the throwing everything out and saying, I don't believe in anything, whatnot, it won't work. Right. It actually won't give you the freedom that you want, but the relationship will give you that sense of freedom that you want and that God wants for you. Amen. Absolutely. There's a really fascinating thing going on here, and I hope you guys caught it. And if not, I'm going to point it out to you because it's very uh, it's important and it's telling. So what we have here is it is a very stock kind of question. It's a, mm. it's a philosophy 101 kind of vaguely Pascal's wager. It's, you know, it's a great, what are the great kind of, you know, logical, ethical, blah, 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 is about God. So, but here's the thing. If someone's actually um, comes to the point where they want to say that out loud to another human being who talks about being Christian, there's something underneath that. Yeah. So we want to, as you guys, if you've heard three very good examples of here, the thing you want to do is find a way to roll with what the person is asking. Glenn will often refer to this as the question behind the question. There's something real going on with this person that has led to them expressing this idea. Some of that's being verbalized in the question. Some of it's not. But you don't want to um, dismiss 
the person. At the same time, you do slightly want to dismiss the question. You have to answer it. Now, there's another, I'm hitting you with Fitzgeraldianisms, mm-hmm. uh, another, changing the channel. Mm-hmm. Someone says, you know, but here, if, if God is just mean, if you break the rules, wouldn't it be better for me to not rules? You can't jump right to, I, I don't feel any guilt about anything. Yeah, mm-hmm. I have a relationship with God. You have to address their thing, but you don't just have to address their thing. There's a question behind the question. This is actually a very good example of somebody asking something which is a fairly basic, you can almost, you know, you the temptation would be to go, well, Romans 120 says that all are left without excuse. Right. So suck right. on that. Right. right. Anyway, I'm back off to my PCA church now. We'll right. see you later. Right. So there's a, there's a human element to all these kind of um, stereotypical things. that we, And if you can find a way to find those and speak to that, you're going to do some very effective stuff for the kingdom. All right, we're going to move on to our final question here. I have a feeling this one's not going to have as many wrinkles or angles as the last one did hmm. it comes in anonymous on top of a box and it says there's so many cute girls around me but they're not christian and i really want to tell them that i think they're pretty and want to take them out on a date okay is that a good or bad idea that's that's fine and then things take a turn sure. which we've had some recent troubles with the lcm on this podcast right and i want to say that the next statements of this i'm being forced to read and sure to say that podcast is not endorsed in any way why are there so many pretty non-Christian girls, but not any of the girls in my church that I'm interested in? I'm against that. Or they don't seem to like <laughs> me either. Feeling torn and late to the game. Hashtag single forever. <laughs> People, don't, don't hashtag your questions. I appreciate that, but I'm a very old person, and that only makes me feel older. But uh, Jed, why don't, you, why don't you help our brother I, out I here? I don't judge people for hashtagging. I do. <laughs> All right, single forever. Um it's. I think this is going to be a rough next couple of minutes for you. So uh, let's, you're going to be a better person on the other side of it, though. You're going to be a better person on the other side. Of it. it hurts us more than it hurts you. But but let me say this at the outset. I understand what you're saying. I I was for involved sure. with a, a fellowship group in college, and there was not a single girl in that group that um, I had any interest in in any way, shape, or form for a variety of reasons. So I get the idea of saying I'm in a thing and there's nobody here I want to go on a date with. Mm-hmm. This may be good from the outset. I will lay a ground rule. We're officially right now divorcing interested in from physical attractiveness. Sure. Which is an entirely subjective thing. So there are girls, right. there are people you're interested in and not interested in. And those are the two categories. Absolutely right. Right. Go ahead. So I was in a fellowship group. There were a precisely zero girls I was interested in, and that, and I, I get that that feels like a thing and a frustration. Right. All right. So right. there, we feel you. We, right. we yeah. get yeah. you. Right. And, we, there, we and there were it. plenty of girls that were not in that fellowship group who were also not Christians that I definitely was interested in. Right. So I, I get that, too. Here's my question back to you, and I'm going to start with a serious question. Is there something stopping you from going to a few events at a different church? Hello. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe yeah. maybe you don't have a car. Uh, that's okay. Maybe you've got a thing with your family and they don't want you going to do a different church. You have a curfew or it's hard or, or that. Okay. Is there something stopping you from going on eHarmony or a service like that and, you know, meeting other girls who are Christians but maybe aren't the girls in your church? Maybe there'd be someone there you'd be interested in. Again, maybe there's a real answer to that. Maybe, you know, money's a super tight thing. Maybe you're not 18 and can't do the online dating thing. Maybe you're not 18 and it's, and it's not a thing. There, there are kind of answers to those questions that, that could be legitimate. But again, 
Is there something stopping you from an eHarmony solution or going to some activities at another church? You don't have to go to the other church. You can show up for their singles night and whatnot. I think it's worth asking you, asking yourself, are there things going on where you couldn't do that? Because if there aren't good reasons why you can't do those things, the other possibility is, is this self-sabotage? Right. All right. You put in your question, uh, there's the non-Christian girls and they're pretty, I want to take them on a date. Is this a good idea or a bad idea? You know it's a bad idea. Right. You've written into a Christian podcast. Right. <laughs> you, you know what the answer is here. Right. Um, so, are you building a case for why you simply had? Right. You just yeah. had to ask that girl right. out that doesn't share your core values right. and your faith. Right. It's like you didn't even have a choice. Glenn, what other right. choice did I, I have? I mean, uh, yeah, it's uh, it, the writing's on the wall. My hand was forced. My hand was forced. I just, you know, what would you do in my situation? It's not our fault. <laughs> Here, here's, here's the thing, single forever. If you want to be to find a Christian gal that you are interested in that you can ask on a date, that is before you. There is a way to do that. Right. I believe in you. You are able to send in a message to the Say That Podcast. Therefore, I believe you have the power, the intelligence, the ability to hook this other thing up. Yeah. Now, what you may be saying is, I don't want to. Right. That's fine. We can have that discussion. Right. Different right. issue. That's a different issue. But let's not cover the don't want to with a lot of besides and so forth right. and uh, things it, besides right. the third quarter earnings report. And I don't know. And Jenkins was late for the meeting and who right. besides so forth. I don't even know. Start by being honest with what the deal is. If the, if the thing is a logistical problem, let's look at the logistical problem. If the thing is there's this girl over here, not a Christian, doesn't share my core values, but I'm super interested in her. Huh. And that's what I want to get. Let's be honest about that and get into that issue. Absolutely. Lee, keep it rolling with us. Okay, so uh, the very end of the question, right before the hashtag came out, it, uh, you say in the question, I'm feeling torn and late to the game. Now, here's, here's my take on this. You are, you're using the wrong fuel. Your fuel is the way that you're feeling about this whole thing. Yeah. Uh, you, you cannot fuel the, the actions and the life that you should be doing and taking based on your emotional feelings about something. So uh, you're feeling like, I'm, I'm late to the dating game. So maybe I'm, maybe I'm a junior or senior in high school. I've never asked anybody out on a date. And, uh, and so I just feel like a loser because I just, I, I should have done this by now. So here's the thing. That's in the, those are very real feelings. Those feelings are called embarrassment and shame. Yep. Um, you need to go ahead. Okay. We, you felt them. Great. Um, we need to talk about those feelings to the Lord, talk about those feelings to somebody that you trust that cares about you, and then let's move past them and not act on those feelings, okay? Because what we've got right now is you've got a paralysis based on your mm. feelings. I'm torn. I don't yeah. know. Can I ask out these girls? I, I don't, I'm not into these girls, so what do I do? And that that compounds my feeling of being embarrassed and ashamed of myself for not doing this thing that everybody else in the world seems to have already done. A couple things real quick. A lot of the people that you're looking at that you're, oh, you've got another emotion in here that we haven't exactly figured, figured out. It's jealousy because yeah. you're looking mm. at other people who are, you know, getting all hooked up and everything. And you're feeling like, well, I'm late to the game because everybody else is already in the game. A uh, couple things. 95% of those people are complete dingbats and don't have any idea what they're doing. And yeah, so, right. uh, you know, you're, number one, 
it's not like you're missing out on you know the 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 greatest thing that's ever happened in the history of the world. Most people are doing this thing poorly, but yeah. what we need to do is acknowledge these feelings. I feel embarrassed. I feel ashamed. I feel jealous. Okay, work through those things. Talk to the Lord about those things. Isolate the lies from the enemy about those things. Get some truth in there. Get some friends around you who can encourage you and and pick up some steam. And don't fuel the things that you should be doing based on these feelings of torn and late to the game. Uh, Work through those feelings and then do your actions based on the courage that, that, that... it takes the courage and the confidence that it takes to get a girl to say yes to you to go on a date. It, it takes courage and confidence. Here's my last little thing real quick, just kind of a parting shot on this. There's some bad and good news. One, th- when you finally get out of the paralysis and look a human female in the eyes and ask her to go on a date with you, she will either say yes or no. That will not be any easier the longer that you wait or whatever. That's that's going to be difficult and risky when you do it. Here's the deal. It will get easier the more that you do it. Okay? So that's kind of some bad and good news. It's going to be hard whenever you do that. Do it sooner rather than later. Find find a girl at your church or find like Jed said, a girl at another thing, maybe a young life thing, another church thing or whatever. Ask her out to the thing. And and if she says no, if she says yes, the next time you do it, it'll be a little bit easier and a little yep. bit easier and yep. a little bit easier. This is not going to get easier by you staying in the paralysis of these emotions you're feeling. Mm. It's a fantastic point. Glenn, take us home. Yeah, a couple of quick things on here. First and foremost, uh, dating is broken. We have to understand that as the context for the situation right. we find ourselves in. Here's what happened with that. Someone, a real genius, said, hey, here's what, I think dating's a sin. Right. Okay. Here's what's wrong with that. It's like, if I say, here is a car, a car gets you from one place to another. Cars are sins. You can drive the car, exactly, you can drive the car to a crack house and smoke crack. <laughs> or you can drive the car to church. And smoke crack. Or, or not smoke crack, Jed. You know? <laughs> yeah. Definitely don't smoke crack in church. Let's just be okay. thankful, just be make thankful sure. that Jed hasn't we, made this illustration creepy yet. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, but here's the thing is, you can't say that the car is sinful, because that is just not smart. Okay, yeah. I'm trying to be nice as hard as I can. It's very good restraint, and Thank we're all you. very proud Appreciate of you. Appreciate it. Okay. I personally kiss cars goodbye. <laughs> so if, if, if you think maybe it's a sin on some level to be involved in this, and the people in your, in your group think maybe, I mean, even if you don't buy into that all the way and they don't buy into that all the way, it's sort of in the air, and everyone doesn't quite know what to do. The only way to fix that is what these fellows are saying, which is simply stand your ground, look this gal in the eye and say, I want to go out on a date with you and that's it. Okay, that's thing number one. Here's thing number two. Here's here's a problem that you're experiencing as a young man. You have not fully developed your taste in women. Mm -hmm. When an old man says to a young man, you know that woman over there? I think she thinks you're cute, and that is a quality woman. Young, That's a quality young lady. You should think about asking her out. Young guys, 
They don't know what to look for. They don't know what to be attracted right. to. Right. They don't get it. I mean, they just, you know, because you're young, you don't know things, yep. you know. Um, as you get older, you see, that's a beautiful woman. I got it. I got it. You know, it's like a, a, a painting or something in, in, a, in a, a, a beautiful work of art in a museum. Because you shouldn't touch it without asking. That's that's also true. And that's a good yeah. But you know, you can walk past it twenty times and and then suddenly you 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 sort of give it a look in a way that you didn't before. Absolutely. And you're like, wait a second, that's, that's amazing. amazing. It's amazing. It takes time to learn that and appreciate that. Okay. Here's here's what goes on with that. I'm gonna tell you a secret about the attractiveness of women. Here we go. Okay. So it, many problems with the LCM already. If <laughs> I'm trying to dig out, here's the thing: <laughs> if a woman, a young woman, comes up to you and says, "I think you're amazing," and if you are thinking about dating someone, if you ask me, I would not say no to that. I'm telling you right now, you would look at that woman and say. She's kind of hot in a way I haven't noticed before. <laughs> That's super true. <laughs> yeah. The, this is truth that I'm giving you. Yeah. Okay. If you are around a, a, a group of young ladies that are actually attractive in some sort of way, and none of them act like they're interested in any male person anywhere, anytime, right. and none of them express any attraction towards anything. They don't seem attractive to you right. because they're not putting out a whole lot to be attracted at. Sure. If you act like you are not interested in any love, romance, whatever, 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 then and, and you're not expressing that and you're not putting that out there, then it's and the ladies are thinking the same thing about you. Yeah. If you don't flirt a little and be nice and say give a compliment, something, something, then you know they, they, they're they're saying what's the deal with that. But if you see what I'm saying, this comes at from both directions because of the dating being broken. Right. Right. So all this means is once you break through that cycle, if you look at this, is what I'm saying, we're going to land on it with this. Go to your 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 fellowship group or, or whatever it is that you're a part of. Look around and look at each one of those women there and say, "What if I just got an email from her friend that said she's really attracted to you?" Hmm. Now, what do you think? Hmm. And you might say, you know, she she is pretty. I just, you know, I'm just not taking the time to really. And she's got such a great heart and such a great attitude. We would be great together. We hmm. we like a lot of the same kind of stuff. Ask her out to get a cup of coffee and sit and talk. Maybe something develops. Maybe it doesn't. But you'd be surprised what happens when you. Uh, when when that attraction is expressed both ways, and you say, well, maybe we we we're not right to be dating, whatever we we're not a good fit or whatever, whatever. But if you know that these people are attracted to you, you see it a whole lot different. It's a lot of fantastic stuff. If you have a question for us, say that podcast at gmail dot com, the bridge chicago dot tumblr dot com. If you're right in the Tumblr. Please mention the podcast so I know you want to answer it on here. If you write in, sometimes it takes a minute, a couple weeks for us to get to your question, but they all get answered on the Tumblr. So if you write in, check 
that hour. We're going to take out with a song this week. This is from a project we recently did, and by we, I mean Jed, with our friend Glenn Kaiser. It's a benefit record for a Cornerstone Community Outreach, which is a homeless, homeless shelter right here in Chicago on the north side. They do amazing work. We work with uh, some of their staff people very closely. They do great work with men, women, children, and particularly veterans, getting them from homeless to actually housed, actually an apartment that they own. It's incredible world-class work. So this is a benefit record we did for them. You can find that on Noise Trade, or you can find it on iTunes. It's called Homes for Heroes. You can search Homes for Heroes, or you can search Jed's name or Lee's name. They both have tracks on the record. But this one is from our friend Glenn Kaiser. It is an old song called Soldier in the Army of the Lord, and I've been enjoying it a lot recently. So it's my podcast. I'm going to inflict that on you people now, but it's a great song. Uh, Glenn is a... Glenn Kaiser, our friend, is a fantastic blues musician, which you see on this, and Jed did a great job producing it. So, a lot of fun on that song. Thanks for listening. Just remember, we love you. God loves you. There's nothing you can do about it. To say that podcast, let's get to work on that ice wall right away. It's time for maple flavor justice. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag no judgment. <laughs> I'm a soldier in the 